TED Audio Collective. We're far away from efficiently powering the entire globe. There is good news, though. Global investment in renewable energy projects and financing reached over $350 billion in the first half of 2023 alone. That's up by about 22% from last year. And it's a sign that investors are seeing the urgency and value of this technology. Yet, even with this uptick, one-off projects like installing windmills and solar panels aren't a panacea for providing everyone the energy they need to live comfortably. And working piece by piece like this isn't going to get the globe to a net zero existence either. We still need to think bigger. I'm Sherelle Dorsey, and this is TED Tech. Today, we meet Dr. Julio Friedman, climate scientist and one of the foremost authorities on removing carbon from the atmosphere. Dr. Friedman is an optimist about the future. In this talk, he argues that global partnership and strategic planning is the key to building intentional green economies. He also imagines an entire end-to-end production industry in developing countries, which would solve regional issues while manufacturing and selling materials and goods to other nations. Let's take a listen as he makes his case. This show is brought to you by Schwab. You're here because you like to keep a pulse on trends in technology. Well, now you can invest in what's trending in artificial intelligence, big data, robotic revolution, and more with Schwab Investing Themes. It's an easy way to invest in ideas you believe in. Schwab's research process uncovers emerging trends. Then their technology curates relevant stocks into themes. Choose from over 40 themes. Buy all the stocks in a theme as is or customize to better fit your investing goals. All in a few clicks. Schwab Investing Themes is not intended to be investment advice or a recommendation of any stock or investment strategy. Learn more at schwab.com slash thematic investing. Support for TED Tech comes from Odoo. What is Odoo? Well, Odoo is an all-in-one management software with apps for every business need. Odoo has apps for CRM, accounting, sales, HR, inventory, manufacturing, and everything in between. And they're all-in-one, easy-to-use software. And the best part about Odoo? All Odoo apps are integrated, helping you get things done faster and more efficiently. So when you think about business, think Odoo. To learn more, visit odoo.com slash tedtech. That's O-D-O-O dot com slash tedtech. Canva presents unexplained appearances. It was an ordinary workday until... That presentation appeared out of thin air. Also, it's eerily on brand. Wait, did that agenda just write itself? Words appear, making this unexplainable case... Unexplainable? It's Canva's AI tools. I can generate slides and words in seconds. Really? <clears throat> the real mystery is why I'm only learning this now. Canva.com. Designed for work. 
Hey, listeners, before we kick off today's episode, I want to give a shout out to one of our favorite podcasts, Masters of Scale. Every week on Masters of Scale, Reed Hoffman, co-founder of LinkedIn, meets with some of the world's most successful entrepreneurs, discussing the strategies that got them to where they are. You'll hear from entrepreneurs like former Burberry CEO Angela Arens, Imagine Entertainment's Ron Howard and Brian Grazer, Airbnb's Brian Chesky, and many other iconic founders. Be sure to search for Masters of Scale wherever you get your podcasts. The question I am most commonly asked about climate change is, should I be optimistic or pessimistic? I've thought about this question a lot. My career has been at the intersection of climate, science, technology, policy, and industry, mostly working for you, at one point working for a U.S. president, and now as chief scientist and chief carbon wrangler at Carbon Direct. At that intersection, I think about that question in terms of energy flows and carbon abatement options. So I ponder a variant of that question. How much energy should 10 billion people use? I was first prompted to think about this question by the late, great Richard Smalley. Nanotechnologist, Nobel Prize-winning chemist, co-discovered buckyballs, total mensch. He gave an important and influential talk almost exactly 20 years ago, in which he laid out the top 10 challenges to humanity. Energy, water, food, poverty, the environment, health. And then said something kind of obvious. All of these are energy challenges. Water is the most straightforward. Three quarters of the Earth's surface is covered with water. It's too salty to drink or use. The primary cost of desalination is energy. Food. I like food. 80% of the food consumed around the world moves through modern agriculture. That means synthetic fertilizers, combines that harvest, refrigeration, shipping, they're all energy. Climate, that's my day job. How do we go from 54 billion tons of greenhouse gases every year to less than zero very quickly? And so on. Abundant clean energy can make progress against this whole list. So Richard estimated what he thought it would take for 10 billion humans to live more or less like the United States. And his answer was 60 terawatts. Keep that number in your mind, 60. For reference today, the world uses about 26 terawatts of energy, about 8 terawatts of that are electricity. Now, the urgency of climate means that we have to, for all of the energy we use today and all future energy, really has to be abundant, sustainable, and cheap. Abundant, available where you want it, when you want it. Everybody should have energy, including the three billion people who use less electricity than my refrigerator uses. However, it should also be sustainable. We can't emit a lot of greenhouse gases. We can't trash nature. Ideally, it's cheap, a lot cheaper than today. Maybe half or a third of what the U.S. pays, that would be $20 a megawatt hour or a dollar a gigajoule. And remember, it's energy, not electricity. We also need heat for heavy industry. We need clean fuels, things like clean hydrogen or sustainable aviation fuels. Well, that seems hard, and it is. But if you know that's what you need or what you want, abundant, sustainable, cheap energy, we have a new question to ponder. How do we get 60 terawatts of that to 10 billion people? Well, the good news is every day the Earth receives 163,000 terawatts of energy from the sun. 
about half of that bounces back to space, but about 80,000 terawatts arrive at the Earth in a form we can use. For example, the air, land, and oceans convert some of that into about 870 terawatts of wind. These are bigger numbers than 60. And we got more than solar and wind. We have geothermal, we have hydro, we have nuclear, there's other kinds of clean energies. And some of the best resources are, in fact, in the global south. These places are not simply future climate victims. These places are latent energy superpowers. And we've made some good starts. Let's look at Chile, blessed with abundant hydro, solar, and wind. They can make green electrons on demand. A lot of those green electrons are going to get turned into hydrogen and ammonia, the key ingredient for fertilizer, itself a good fuel, and a great way to move clean energy around the world. Now, Chile has prioritized using these green electrons and hydrogen to decarbonize its own grid and for domestic energy use for things like mining. They are also building infrastructure. They're building out the grid and ports for trade and commerce. This prioritization, this emphasis on infrastructure, is the difference between a neo-colonial economy and a new economy built on abundance. Let's go to Kenya home of the second most productive wind farm on Earth in Lake Turkana, home of the second largest geothermal program on Earth, and future home of the Great Carbon Valley, where this abundant, sustainable, cheap energy will create whole new industries and pull CO2 out of the sky. Now, those are good starts, but we have far, far to go. Hashtag, we need more. Specifically, we need new investment vehicles, and we need development mechanisms that recognize the opportunity of abundance as opposed to being built on the scarcities of the past. My favorite example, Namibia, a young, rapidly growing nation full of promise, one of the very driest places on Earth. Namibia has excellent solar and wind resources, in particular in the Southwest. Unsurprisingly, a giant $10 billion project is bouldering along that will land 3,000 megawatts of solar on the ground, 3,000 megawatts of wind, that will feed 3,000 megawatts of electrolyzers, that'll make clean hydrogen and ammonia for export to Europe. And European countries and European industries are providing the long-term offtakes. In addition, the port of Luteritz is getting an upgrade, and there's going to be jobs and wealth creation in Namibia. I love this project. <laughs> What's not to like? Namibia gets wealth and jobs. Europe gets clean, secure energy supplies. Still, something's off. That's it. This project is 10 times bigger than Namibia's whole grid. And this project will not substantially build out the infrastructure or energy access. No refrigerators. No new courses a nation. Now, again, this is a great project, but how can we do even better? Not just here, but everywhere. How do we harness abundant, sustainable, cheap energy for all? Well, there's three ingredients to that bouillabaisse. And if you plan to harvest abundance, you act differently in each. First out of the gate, infrastructure. We need transmission lines, roads, ports, railroads, fueling stations. We're not moving bits, we're moving molecules and electrons. We need this infrastructure to get electricity to the people of Namibia and to get clean fuels out of ports like Mombasa or Cartagena. These projects take time, money, and people. 
We need to develop the human capital as part of these investment projects for decades. Because remember, children, for the rest of our lives, every week is infrastructure week. <laughs> Second out of the gate, innovation. We need much more energy in many places, much cheaper. That's an innovation agenda. Now, all y'all are familiar with the profound and rapid decreases in cost associated with solar photovoltaics. That was a combination of sustained investment in innovation, plus market aligning policies, plus mass manufacturing. For solar, that was the United States, Germany, China, and others acting together. Well, if that's the recipe, we can do that again. We're already doing it with electric vehicles and clean hydrogen production. We can certainly do it by turning electricity into fuels and pulling CO2 out of the sky. In fact, the CO2 and clean hydrogen will be the next generation of sustainable maritime and aviation fuels. We just had fusion <laughs> in California. Now, to harness that abundance, an objective should be cost reduction. Maybe 50 or even 80% cost reduction. And those objectives should be part of the goals of the institutions that run innovation. For example, the US Department of Energy's Earthshot programs. Third, investment. Specifically, we need to move away from single project finance to more systemic investment mechanisms, one that reimagine risk across multiple projects, multiple investment cycles, and multiple years. Some of the goals of the audacious and overdue Bridgetown initiative. In addition, the full value chain should be part of the investment thesis. Revenues come from many sources, including the infrastructure itself, the equipment sales, the new products, and the improvements for health and welfare. Global positive investment, global positive growth that yields solid returns. Now, in the case of Chile, Japan is a key partner, and Japanese firms will make money on turbines, electrolyzers, ships infrastructure, debt. Now, one green hydrogen project is not enough money to do that. You need, you know, to rebuild shipyards and supply chains, you need more than one project. So the Japanese government has, in fact, backed dozens of projects. And these are anchored by bilateral agreements between Chile and Japan that include long-term offtakes. Multiple projects and long-term offtakes change the value propositions for both countries. You're not feeding a set of shareholders, you're feeding two nations. And Chile has maintained its commitment to this now through three successive governments. So, let's go back to Namibia. Instead of conventional project finance for one project, what would a $100 billion set of projects look like? Well, for starters, you'd sure have to build out the grid a lot. You'd have to add solar and wind, maybe supersize some projects, maybe add some hydropower. Instead of temporary construction jobs in Luteritz, you'd have a permanent construction industry there. And you'd be building electrolyzers all over Namibia. That would anchor supply chains across sub-Saharan Africa and train a generation of workers. That would be big enough for desalination, bringing fresh water to the desert and to the communities and to the new industries. Big enough for hospitals, universities, regional logistics hubs, big enough to encourage good governance, and best of all, low-cost clean fertilizer that could be used to make food in Namibia, sold there and to its neighbors. In effect, Namibia could be a global anchor for food and fuel. And the investors would get a solid return. Now that's a future to be optimistic about.
So, because let's be honest, whether I'm optimistic or not, the work looks the same. <laughs> so, let's reimagine that first question. It doesn't matter whether I'm optimistic or you're optimistic. It matters if we're optimistic. Collective action, building together, is what makes the difficult possible and nourishes the soul through mission and purpose. And we have a lot to be optimistic about. Infrastructure, innovation, and investment are commitments to the future anchored in optimism. We also have the tools and tech we need. We know what to do, and we can act not out of anger or fear, but out of generosity and common purpose, bringing aspiration and humility together. We're going to build a thriving, vibrant, exciting world full of generosity and full of potential that's going to be built on the back of infrastructure, innovation, and investment that will harness the abundant, sustainable, cheap energy. That is our planet's endowment. Thank you. Welcome to the Canva guided meditation for stress at work. Impending deadline? Generate Canva presentations in seconds. So fast. Brainstorm got too big. Summarize with AI in a click. Writer's block. Release with Canva Magic Write. Magical. Stress less and save time at Canva.com. Designed for work. Canva. This podcast is supported by Tools and Weapons, the podcast hosted by Microsoft Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Each episode features insight you won't find anywhere else from the center of the conversation surrounding emerging technologies like AI. Right now on the podcast, you can hear a special episode where Brad Smith lays out Microsoft's vision for a vibrant marketplace driving the new AI economy. To hear more, follow or subscribe to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts. TED Tech is part of the TED Audio Collective. This episode was produced by me and Nina Lawrence, edited by Alejandra Salazar, and fact-checked by Hana Matsudira. Special thanks to Maria Ladias, Faraday Grunge, Simone Ross, Daniela Bellarezo, and Michelle Quint. I'm Sherelle Dorsey. Let's keep digging into the future. Talk to you again next week. You're growing a business, and you can't afford to slow down. If anything, you could probably use a few more hours in the day. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites, or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started.